This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. And good afternoon, everyone. Yes, Linda Swain back after two weeks vacation. Claudette, nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. And I'm assuming a little bit of relaxation. Absolutely. Um, and um, it looks like I picked the right two weeks to go because <laughs> of the weather. My goodness gracious, didn't it turn? It did turn, yeah. I was at the folk festival last night. I was dressed for CBS. <laughs> you were dressed for CBS. I like that. Yeah, not for St. John's. Not for St. John's at all. And then I started getting cool and then a little drizzly. And then I look at the forecast. So the work week uh, this week, it's looking pretty much the same until the weekend. So fingers crossed we'll get a weekend like what you experienced on your vacation. Fingers crossed. I know at one point uh, my sister wanted to go out to Cape Spears. So we left the house. We're like, well, well, you know, it can be a little bit cooler at Cape Spear, so we brought a jacket just to be on the safe side. In fact, I grabbed my husband's jacket that has a lining in it. Oh, nice. I took the lining out of it because, no. you know. Okay. Anyway, I wished I had the lining. Yeah. It was like 28 degrees, 36 with the Humidex or something in St. John's. Crest that hill as you're heading down towards Cape Spear, and all of a sudden, wah, wah, you know, the fog and yeah it was about 13 degrees what a we big were difference froze. a lot of people have been talking about that lately that you know we all joke that you know certain part pockets of the province you know it's a real real difference in terms of the weather but we almost really need to have a change of clothes in our car for different seasons absolutely and i mean we know this right right imagine what it's yes. like for someone who's coming down from oh, somewhere yeah. else first time to newfoundland perhaps you know and you're packing you're always thinking about what you need i always overpack yes i'm an overpacker you want options yes <laughs> uh but can you just imagine especially nowadays when it costs you money to yes luggage to travel. all of that old stuff yeah. you know trying to make those choices and looking at the forecast and say okay it's 24 degrees in st john's very good you can't go by that no you can't no, really can't. and we need to make that vocal across the country, like you said, because people are coming here thinking it's summer, but it's a version of summer, yeah. depending on where you're I heading. I wonder, here's a question, I wonder how much business, places like Piper's and Walmart <laughs> and places like that, how much business they do from tourists who have to pick up <laughs> extra clothes when they're here. Well, you know, that's like even at the There's a business last idea. night, they had, I think they sold out of their hoodies. <laughs> So, right, it is a great idea, though, like yeah. to have extra stuff because you just don't know. Or you just are constantly in that state where you were. You took out your husband's lining. I don't need that. And then here you are. Went to that little cafe and I got a real hot cup of tea. Yes, that's another thing. You buy extra hot beverages, too. You pay a fortune for it. You don't care. Anyway, uh, so there's that. <laughs> and I noticed, and I know you're, are you much of a gardener? You're a mower. You told me that. <laughs> I'm a raker. You're a raker. Sorry, you're I'm a, a raker. raker. So no, I'm not much of a, you know what I do? I go around and I buy pots of flowers and I put them on my deck and I let everything else turn to weeds. There it's you terrible. go. I'm not like you, Linda. Well, I try. I do try. Mm -hmm. I, you know, anybody passing by my house will say, well, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I do try. But I, uh, And I'm going to put this out to the general audience and see what they have to say okay. about this. But I noticed myself mm -hmm. and subsequently quite a few people, because everybody 
has a little raised bed nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and I found the same thing everywhere I went. People were saying the same thing. So I bought pelletized carrot seeds. Oh. Like I've never had them pelletized before. So they got this little coating on them, right? And it's supposed to be, I guess, the nutrients and help them. They haven't come. Oh. They have not come. I didn't even know that was a thing. That's how much of a gardener I'm not. Anyway, I... I checked around yep. and I noticed a few other people saying the same thing that they had the pelletized seed and it's not just here my sister came down and she was telling me the same thing up in Ontario she had the pelletized seed carrots not coming so I wonder what's going on with the pelletized seed carrots yes. <laughs> or what's going on with carrots as a whole I'm not sure maybe somebody out there who grows carrots can tell me oh there's lots of people that would have that down to a science Onions, that are listening. they're common gangbusters yeah. I can't you know I even got a few surprise potatoes coming up. Like, <laughs> that you didn't plant. I, I, that I didn't plant. I didn't. I did not plant them. I, they must be leftovers from last year or whatever, but they're all coming up. Uh, everything is doing great that way. They're it's like, hardy. oh, yay, potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea how little care they take when you don't even plant them uh anyway um and the onions are doing great great uh, not a trace nor a sign of a carrot so of a i carrot, yeah. planted a few more over the course of the last few days and uh we shall wait and see you know what i'd, I'd like to hear maybe this is the wrong time because i'm again i'm not a gardener but I love all of the chitter-chatter around as you lead into the fall with those giant pumpkin growers. Oh. Like, I would love to That's grow something like thing. that. It's a big Pardon thing. Yes, it right? has been, yeah. It's I, become a big thing. I would love People to know how really they're feeling about it, too. Competitive they are. pumpkins. you got to be careful <laughs> what you say. Yeah, right? you do. They, and they're not going to give all their trade secrets, of course. No, but. they're really into their gourds. Yeah. Um, yeah, the pumpkin people. <laughs> Please call us if you wish to talk. The pumpkin people. The pumpkin people. But, uh, yeah, if anyone wants to shed a little light on, and, I mean, the carrots that I bought have a little Newfoundland stamp on it, so, you know, I figured I was doing the right thing. Yeah, so I wonder what you're doing wrong. Oh, uh, they must be doing something Maybe wrong. it's the weather. Could be. Somebody out there, you know, the carrot people would know. The carrot people. <laughs> it is Orangeman's Day, so ah, there you go. There we go. The, the right color. The right color for the right. <laughs> and, and there is a story related to Orangeman's Day and, and carrots because carrots come in a variety of colors, but they preferred orange because of William of Orange. So there you go. Full Linda, circle. Full circle. I am very Claudette. You're brilliant. <laughs> You're brilliant. Right. <laughs> um, so we'll leave that there. If anybody has any thoughts or feelings on carrots, how are your carrots? How are your carrots growing? Uh, you can uh, give us a call. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the new high school in Portugal Cove, St. Phillips. That's oh, yeah. big news that happened uh, just towards the end of my vacation. So we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, coming up right after this. This is News Talk on VOCM. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. 
And we're back on News Talk. Uh, and uh, by the way, I want to thank uh, Brian Callahan and Richard Duggan for stepping in over the last two weeks and doing a brilliant job. I had an opportunity uh, at times to tune in. Of course, it was a busy, busy time. So uh, I want to thank them both for doing so. Uh, really appreciate it, guys. It's good to know when people have your back. Well, uh, some of the big news that happened uh, late last week, of course, was the uh, announcement related to um, a high school for Portugal Coast St. Phillips and uh, as you know Claudette that whole area growing exponentially you know and lots and lots of young families in the area so uh, high school is something that's been sought there for a very long time right now uh, kids in Portugal Coast St. Phillips of a certain age high school age are being bussed into St. John's they go to PwC Uh, so this is great news for families in that area so I uh, thought I would um, uh, reach out to uh, the MA for the area, David Brazel, who uh, joins me now. Well, hello, David. Good afternoon. So the good news is that uh, after at long last, Portugal Cove St. Phillips is getting that long-needed uh, school. What's, what's your reaction to it all? Well, this has been a decade in the works, and you know, there's a number of people have been involved. I was fortunate enough to work with three different mayors over the last period of time uh, in advocating for that. Uh, we were successful in getting a junior high a number of years ago, and at the same time, a senior high had been uh, allocated, as it was for uh, the community of Paradise. Also, uh, right now, after doing some lobbying, you know, I spent some time, particularly during the COVID uh, year, uh, lobbying the minister, talking. To to the school district, sending in information about live births, uh, about the demographic, about the community itself, about the, the value and the benefit from an educational point of view uh, for an all-encompassing education system in Portugal Cove, St. Phillips. Uh, you know, I had a number of uh, discussions with the ministers over the, that period of time uh, and used the data that we had used to justify a junior high a number of years before that uh, to outline exactly why it would be beneficial to the community of Portugal Cove, St. Phillips. As it would be for the community of Paradise. Uh, and people forget, in 2015, when I was Minister of Transportation and Works, Paul Davis was Premier. Uh, there was a priority allocation at the time that there would be a junior high and a high school for Paradise allocated, a junior high and a high school for Portugal Coast St. Phillips. Coley's Point School was one of the priorities, and a number of other uh, schools, which included the Southern Shore, were priority schools. Unfortunately, they got put on the back burner. Some got cancelled altogether. Uh, uh, and now I'm go- glad to see that the, uh, you know, come to, it's come to fruition for people still fighting for this. Places like Paradise and the Southern Shore still need the, the school system that was promised a number of years ago. So uh, currently, what what what's the catchment area? What are we looking at? Is it specifically Portugal Cove, St. Phillips, or does it go beyond that? No, it's uh, right now specifically based on that, and the junior high demographic was solely based on that. Uh, And the demographic for the junior high when it was built, and I'm glad to say that we pushed to have it at about 20% more capacity than the numbers dictated at the time. We're beyond that 20% now again. So that still justifies why the necessity for a high school and the value of the kids having a continuum education in their own community. And, you know, busing is an inconvenience. And I know people all around this province are busting 
an hour sometimes. Uh, but it's an inconvenience for kids having to get up earlier to be bused from Port Cove, St. Phillips, into St. John's and vice versa. And there's a savings financially uh, to the school district and government as part of this process. But the big issue here is about having a growing community, one of the fastest growing communities, have access to full education in their own community. It's a, um, a community made up of young families. So it's much easier now to come in, start in elementary, and finish your high school in your home community uh, and still be exposed to cultural differences because there's a multitude of uh, different cultures now living in Portugal, Coast St. Phillips, and being part of you know, the pride of the community, playing for your school, playing for your community in sports, participating in science fairs, all the things that uh, make education a uh, fulfilling process and make it more inclusive with all the amenities. And so uh, we're looking at 2025, is that correct? 2026, September of 2026. Normally a school at that size is a three-year process uh, to build uh, with the design process, the uh, land uh, allocation. Uh, we're, we're over phase one, and that's what was allocated in this budget. Uh, and even in my proposal to the minister, as a former minister who had built, I think, nine schools while I was minister, I outlined the economic way that they could do this without it being a major financial burden. Over three to four fiscals, uh, you could do it without it really uh, being a debt load uh, on the bottom line. So they did. I'm glad they took that advice and they've outlined that stage one was uh, site location and design. There'll probably be a, a proposal out or a call for proposals out this fall to do the final design with the size of it. But I'm thinking this is going to be somewhere in the vicinity to house 400 plus students uh, and I would hope there'll be enough thought gone into to making it a bit bigger knowing that, that this is a growth community as are a couple of other growth communities in this province. For sure. So what would be some of the basic specs on this, or do you know yet? Well, you know, we're, we're talking probably, you know, 45,000 uh, square feet. We're talking uh, probably 12 to 15 classrooms. We'll talk a full cafeteria. We're talking, uh, you know, full gymnasium. Uh, you know, we're talking the amenities surrounding it as part of that uh, process there. Uh, you know, a la full lab, all the things that would be beneficial to an inclusive learning process here. Uh, you know, I'm hoping now that we've got an opportunity uh, in the design stage to make it in inclusive for, you know, accessibility uh, for individuals who may have some mobility challenges. Challenges. Also, some uh, century, uh, century important rooms for, for uh, people may have some other uh, challenges when it comes to the education system. And having a full inclusive process that supports staff, supports the students, and supports the other services that uh, can avail of a school uh, in a community like Portugal Cove St. Phillips. So what are people in the community saying to you now? Well, you know, pe people are, are very pleased with this, particularly young families. And I get that some people who children are already in PwC are worried about, you know, graduating high school. They've been there for two years or three years will be what would happen. There's always a transition time. And I get the the apprehension by some people. But at the end of the day, the school district should be flexible to make that work for individuals. But once kids now come out of uh, to junior high, move right into the new high school, that'll be their transition process there. People are excited about it. Uh, I know the council and the announcement the other day, uh, the councillors are very upbeat about another uh, amenity to the community, but another draw for people to come to the community, make it full inclusive, uh, and developing a nice parcel of land that's accessible by all. And then that would probably, you know, uh, spur on some other uh, social development uh, projects, and it could be a lifestyle centre that's being discussed. There could be some, uh, you know, uh, uh, private businesses there when it comes to uh, services that can be provided in the community. I know there's some talks about 
uh, seniors housing and these type of things. So a lot of positive things come out of when you've got your base infrastructure in place. So I see this as a positive thing. Uh, I know, uh, you know, there's a couple of uh, uh, former councillors and mayors who are no longer with us who did a lot of work to make this happen. So I know they're looking down, smiling that this uh, finally is coming to fruition. But until, you know, September 2026, when the doors open and the uh, residents, particularly the students of Portugal, St. Phillips, get to be in their high school and to complete their schooling system uh, from, you know, K to 12, uh, then we'll know that we've got something there that's inclusive uh, and beneficial to the community and to our education system. David Brazel, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. So there you go. Good news for the people of Portugal Cove St. Phillips. This has been a long time coming, um, for sure. So um, it's very interesting indeed. And uh, Claudette, you're trying to get a hold of me? I am. So I just sent you a picture. We just received a a text. And if you want me to read it out, I can. Um, It's a picture of somebody's garden. And they have uh, some information for you on those pelletized carrot seeds. Oh, okay. So. Let's have a look. Uh, all right. My glasses yeah. <laughs> are in the other room. I can be your glasses uh, if This you is wish. my pelletized mm-hmm. carrot seed. Takes about three weeks to sprout, but they did sprout. I use a mix of Trouter's special soil from Sod Farm and Babel's per- perlite. Perlite? Yep. Yeah, perlite worm case castings. Oh. That's poop, I'm guessing. Or the skin. Worm poop and sand. I have been using this for years now, and I'm having success with this method. I see also that they have it, and I'm told that that's really the way to go in a... Um, a raised... Like a bucket. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> like the, a fish bucket. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh, a lot of people do that. Uh, and uh, I'm, to- I'm told a lot of people have great success with that. I haven't done it yet. This is a whole new world to me. <laughs> but uh, there you go. Ah, very interesting. Worm casting. I've seen signs. Have you ever been like on the highway? <laughs> On the highway, I've seen signs that are kind of handwritten in some sort of a mark or something mm-hmm. says worm castings. Really? It's a thing. People go and buy worm castings. I got to Google that because I thought it was they were shedding skin. But I, this is how green I am to gardening, right? I'm guessing poop, but I don't know. It's the first time I've... No, oh. I'm not much of a gardener, according to this. Is the worm casting same as a compost? Hmm. Yeah, I'm guessing it's whatever goes through the yep. little worm. I'm thinking and it comes is. comes out the other side. Here I was thinking it was like a snake. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, there's other castings you can use, like sheep castings. <laughs> wow. But you see signs <laughs> for chicken you know manure, I mean. too. What's that? You see signs for chicken manure and stuff like yeah. that. Mm. But mm. Yeah. I know. Mm. Yeah. I, for yeah. obvious reasons, I don't think I would want that on yeah. my property. I, but. I, you really, in my opinion, got to know what you're at. Yeah. If and I obviously don't that. if I thought it was worm skin. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, before we go into news, and I'm sure um, uh, Jolene Grimes and... Uh, Noah, Noah Shepard will be giving us uh, updates on this as well. But uh, uh, you're familiar with Toronto, of course. You've been to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, right in the dead center of Toronto, Young and Bloor, there was a shooting there this morning. Can you just imagine a busy place like that and 
just like a drive-by shooting in yeah that area. i know and it certainly everyone knows somebody who lives in toronto as well and there are a number of newfoundlanders that have a community you know their community themselves in, in toronto but i feel that i'm constantly hearing these stories and i don't want to be desensitized but it it's scary but at the same time i'm i'm used to hearing it yeah it's it's terrible stuff and i mean you think about that general area i mean lots of people travel mm-hmm. to toronto for a vacation and whatever or go see a jay's game or whatever Young the case Street's may be. So popular, it's yeah. right there in the center of everything. Well, two people are in hospital with serious injuries after a morning shooting in downtown Toronto that police say could be the result of road rage following reports of street racing. And that's another thing that's become a thing. I've a thing, seen people uh, try to race here as well. And we all know that some of the tragedies that have happened because of that. Absolutely. Uh, police responded to a drive-by shooting near the busy Young and Bloor intersection and found a man and a woman in their 20s with gunshot wounds. Lindsay Turchin heard gunshots. Her partner looked out from their apartment and saw people running away. It's freaky. I mean, there have been murders around here. It's we're usually stopping, but this is my first shooting. I think for one or two, I thought, okay, car backfiring, and then it just kept going. I didn't. I lost. Ca- I didn't count, but I was like, oh my god, something is up. So you can hear in her voice how shaken she is by that. And, uh, you know, when you're you're saying things like that, well, there's been murders here, there's been stabbings, but this is my first shooting. When you hear people say things like that, what is happening in this country is the question I have to ask. Yeah, we're hearing too many of these things. Yeah, yeah my, absolutely. For sure. Well, people, uh, sorry, police say that the victims are being treated in nearby hospitals and thankfully are expected to live. And we'll be watching that one closely over the course of the next day or so. Uh, We're up to news time now with Jolene Grimes. When we come back, uh, uh, there's firefighting concerns in St. Mary's Bay. This is News Talk on VOCN. Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles, and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. And we're back. Well, a St. Mary's Bay community doubts its ability to provide timely firefighting services to its residents as its 4x4 pickup is no longer roadworthy. Spending thousands on such an old rig probably would not be a wise thing to do. Scott Making is a former fire chief in St. Vincent, St. Stephen's, Peters River, and he uh, speaks with my colleague VOCM's Brian Medora. Uh, as of right now, like we have, we just have a pumper truck, and she holds like 500 gallons of water. Uh, uh, with a uh, full force, we got three minutes of firefighting with this truck. Uh, like our our second truck carries, uh, like she's just a pickup. Our second truck is just a normal pickup, four before pickup. And we have her filled with, uh, we have two uh, portable pumps and all the hoses and everything. And uh, where we're from here, St. Vincent, St. Stephen's, Peter's River, we have no fire hydrants in the place. And uh, we got to try to get this, this 4 before pickup with our portable humps to a pan, like Hollywood Pan or a river or a gully, wherever we can to uh, try to pump water from that source to, the, to our pumper truck to the fire type thing. And without this pickup being able to carry around our portable pumps and everything else, we are pretty well dead in the water with fire service. So just describe uh, describe that pickup for me now. How, how old is it? What state is it, is it in and, and why can't you? use it 
Uh, the pickup, I'm not fully sure the year, but she's an older model, F254 before. Uh, we, uh, I think she was donated to uh, the council back, we say, 10 or 12 years ago from a hydro truck. She was a used hydro truck, and uh, we spent quite a bit of money on her when we got her first trying to, uh, you know, keep up with it. And uh, as we were trying to uh, go through the process of trying to get a new truck and stuff like that, you know, and... Uh, so uh, there, within the last six months or whatever, we uh, sent uh, this truck to the mechanics, uh, to a grad mechanical advice uh, mechanic to get our truck inspected, and there's eight or nine or ten thousand dollars worth of uh, worth of money uh, to put into the truck, and the truck is hardly worth us uh, at this point. You know, like a pile of money, and then we'll still have nothing in another couple of years, type thing. So, if a fire broke out at a house today, what would you guys do? Well, if a fire broke out today, I would say we're in major troubles because uh, we have, like you say, we have our pumper truck there now and we got three minutes of full force coming out of that that we have 500 gallons, that's what we got. And other than that, we would have to, hopefully, whoever one of our volunteers comes to the fire hall in a pickup or uh, whatever, we got to try to pick up our pumps out of the fire hall, all our hoses, all, it's all over the fire hall on the floor there and which could take a very long time to uh, get organized and get to the source of water and uh, to get to the fire, which would be really, really too late. So what have you been doing to try to rectify the situation and to get the equipment in good working order? What, what do you need and what have you been doing? Uh, well, like, we've been uh, trying uh, through the government grants. Uh, we've been applying every year for a new truck. We've been talking to uh, our MHA or Sherry Gamblin on it. And all we're getting like from, from these people, and I was talking to Mr. Ken McDonald or myself personally there, uh, a month ago about it. And uh, like he said then, well, he said, like, you're not only are you trying to replace your fire truck, but now we're in a different situation. Like, we're dead in the water. We need this truck ASAP. Like, you know, we got, <laughs> right, we're dead. Was, and, uh, like, and all we're getting, like, even from the council there, they're getting the same response, I guess. Like, it's all in process. It's all in, like, what is the process? Like, you know, we're waiting six months now. Like, I don't know what longer, right? What do you have in terms of nearby assistance? Uh, St. Shots, uh, Riverhead, St. Mary's, Trapassi, would they factor in the equation at all? Well, like normally, uh, if a call, you know, I can imagine, like we do depend on Riverhead, or uh, they do come uh, when needed. Uh, Riverhead Fire Department is at least as a half hour drive, so by the time they get their call and get their uh, their members together and everything else in line, there's an hour probably plus uh, gone before they get to us down here in St. Vincent. And St. Chats would be pretty well the same thing, like St. Chats. Uh, far as I know, they only have uh, just uh, like just a pickup like truck that we have, I think, and they're run from uh, fire hydrants in St. Chats. So, like, you know what I'm saying? There's as a little help, but it, you know, it's not much to depend on. And what about Gasker's Point Lahey? Do they have anything? Gasker's Point Lahey have no fire service. Uh, they're all uh, underneath Riverhead. Okay, so you're really you're really out in the out in the wilderness there. Yeah, we're like we're down in the down in the yeah, we're in the end of the line here and like you say, that's where we're after stressing and stressing, like, you know, we're 
we're not 20 minutes away or nothing, you know what I'm saying? If a fire breaks out today, you know, it's in conditions. Uh, if you're not there in 15 minutes, you're in trouble. Yeah, so where to from here? What do you do? Uh, yeah, that's that's why we're, you know, we're trying to go, go to you guys. And, like, if it, if it has to come to, like, we're going to get NTV, we're going to get CBC, we're going to have, like... We got to be known, you know. Like the residents, like everybody's in, in, in worried her. Like uh, we had a meeting her yesterday uh, with our members there, and uh, like uh, is uh, it's not not right. Like you know, we're the people that they're depending on, and if we get the call, we're not able to do our job because uh, we don't have you know the gear is not there for us to provide services. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure not everybody has house insurance, but you know that the, there are some people that do have insurance. Uh, insurance, but uh, that would really come into play here if you don't have any fire protection wouldn't it a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent like just like we're in a major crisis here right now we're in a major crisis like if anything happened here today like you know we're in a major tangle you know just the members like even our members are getting so frustrated like you know we just say well sure like what the hell you know like we're not getting over. Like, if we could get an answer, like if we could say, okay, you were first online, or you're going to have a truck in the next six months, or you know what I'm saying. But it's nodding every time we call. It's all in process. It's all like, what is the process? <laughs> now that's that's a really busy tourist area, Scott. Uh, what would you guys do? Like, you know, there's a lot of highway traffic there. Uh, people going to see the whales and things. What would you do, say, if there was, you know, a pretty bad accident on the highway? way in that area yeah well like you said right now we just have the one truck to come to a scene there and uh, like you said we'll just have to depend on our neighboring uh, fire our, our other neighboring fire department like riverhead or st shots whoever may be just to come to help and like you said it's quite uh quite hectic right like we had an incident here the weekend her now on the beach with an atv there and stuff like that now thank god was no you know nothing involved or whatever but like it could have been needed you know what i'm saying like we could have needed our trucks to block the road we could have needed this to do whatever you know like and like the whales have been here for the last uh well, we, uh month we saying like the traffic here around st vincent's beach and everywhere else through the communities is just like crazy like you know and oh, yeah but like you said, uh, we're after doing everything, like contacting whoever is possible, like and it's all process. Like. So uh, there you go. Scott Making, former fire chief in St. Vincent, St. Stephen's, Peters River, telling VOCM's Brian Medora that they're facing a major crisis with this 4x4 pickup that's no longer roadworthy and explained what an important role that pickup plays in uh, in their firefighting efforts, having to relay equipment and the like uh, to help with their uh, pumper truck and, and relaying water to scenes and that sort of thing. Um, they're in a bit of a terrible bind there. So they he's... Uh, in desperation, he's come to the media, uh, VOCM in particular, and um, asking for some kind of uh, uh, help or assistance or bring more attention to the matter or whatever the case may be. Um, and how many more uh, fire uh, departments in Newfoundland and Labrador are facing similar kinds of situations, mostly volunteer in many cases, and uh, while they rely on government funding for pumper trucks and the like, um, you know, those are not easy to come by. And require a great deal of uh, fundraising or uh, donations or whatever the case may be.
So a very serious situation facing that uh, particular area. And as he points out, uh, St. Vincent's in particular, uh, really popular this time of year because everybody goes down to that fabulous beach they have there to see the whales, which come right up to the beach. If you've ever been down to St. Vincent's, their beach, um, once the water hits it, it just, you know, it goes down very dramatically. Um, uh, it doesn't, you know, like most beaches, it doesn't sort of drift out. It's... it there's a big plunge there and so the whales can get up really close to the shore and you can get a real good view you just bring out your uh, lawn chair or a blanket or whatever the case may be and sit there and watch and the whales are right there feeding it's just amazing so uh, they do see an awful lot of traffic this time of year anyway if you have any thoughts on that you're certainly welcome to give us a call well I don't know about you Claudette but I find it really difficult and it has been since COVID and we understand the reasons why. Trying to find something to watch on television. <laughs> OMG. Yes. Yep. But I'm I'm good now for a little bit because I found that the fa- the last season of Animal Kingdom is on <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> it's all to do with like gangs and things that are probably not interesting, but for us, we're interested in it. So. Right on. <laughs> um, well, it, it's a struggle, isn't it? Um, you know, and most of the things that we watch, uh, we've seen a thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really getting a bit much but if you're looking for something to watch on television and you're tired of the same old same old there might be a little option for you if you happen to be a bill customer uh there's a new show uh seven episodes i think it is uh of a show that's based here in newfoundland (laughs) so we're gonna talk to oh i know what one you're talking about yeah berries for sale is the name of the show and uh we're going to talk to the uh the creative genius i suppose behind that uh, particular program when we come back after the break this is news talk on vocm stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your vocm join linda swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. Well, as we pointed out earlier, if you're looking for something to watch on TV, how about a little bit of this? I've decided to call over some What? When I get my $250,000, I'm on my way to St. John's. Oh, great. Someone else after the berries. We still have our memories. Is that all I have left? My memories? Newfoundland. It's Newfoundland. My mother would never have done that to my father. Vote for resettlement. I can't do that. We'll rent and we'll roar like true Newfoundlanders. Well, that's the trailer for the new series Berries for Sale, a new show focused on rural Newfoundland and inspired by some recent news events, which has uh, already premiered now on Bell's 5 TV One channel. The show stars a variety of local performers, including Pete Susie, Megan Jones, Justin Nurse, and Chuck Harriet. I speak with the creative force behind the seven-episode series Berries for Sale, Stephen Cadigan. Well, hello, Stephen. Hi, Linda. Congratulations. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about Berries for Sale. So Berries for Sale is a show about the fictional town Rum Cove, a little tiny outport town that is facing a resettlement vote. 
and one of the residents who was fighting against it contacts an L.A. talk show host, Bobby Bright, and tries to get him to help convince the town to vote against resettlement. So there's some elements here that sound vaguely familiar. What, <laughs> what served as your inspiration? Well, two things. The recent resettlement votes in towns like Little Bay Islands and Egaltis and these areas. I've been watching closely those resettlement votes, all that stuff, especially Little Bay Islands. And then there's Jimmy Kimmel becoming honorary mayor of Dildo. So I thought those were, I was, I was looking at life in Outport in rural Newfoundland, and those were two big things, flashing lights <laughs> that were shining at me, and I wanted to combine it together. So have you been involved in productions of this scale before? Not a show this size, no. What's Long it like, big learning curve? It was a lot, yes. I had done short films before, and taking it to this level was, yeah, it was a lot of extra work, a lot of extra planning. So it was something bigger than I'd done before, for sure. And what's behind the title? So I made a short film called Berries for Sale, and it came out in 2021, and it featured two of the characters in this show, played by Pete Susie and Megan Jones. And that short film, in that short film, Megan's character tried to convince Pete's character to vote against resettlement. And the whole idea, and he ended up asking her for a bottle of rum as a bribe to vote her way. So the whole idea of berries for sale is kind of like votes for sale. And the idea that 250000 is offered to someone basically to vote for resettlement is also kind of like, you know, a, bri a bribe in a way. So anyway, that short film, I took that to Bell and I said to them, I would like to make it continue the story of these characters and this town in a TV show. And would you be willing to do it? And luckily they said yes. So how did you get to that stage? How did you get signed on? Um, they had been lo looking for shows now for local programming for their Bell, their five TV one channel. It had mostly been reality documentary shows. They had done the show Mrs. Downstairs, and that w and that one was with scripted with actors. And I thought, you know, this is going to be really hard, but I'm going to pitch this to them and see if they'll go for it. And luckily, they decided to do it. That's fabulous. So how many episodes are we looking at? There's seven episodes. And is that the sum total, or could this extend beyond that? Well, I mean, it does tell the story, but it could come back. There is room for more t tales to be told involving these characters. That's great. So how much uh, work has gone into filming of this? Are they all, you know, completely done or, or do you have more work to do? It is. It went on the air Wednesday last week. So it's all available for people. All the episodes now are available for people to view if they have, if they're getting five cable from Bell. So uh, what else is uh, on tap now, uh, Stephen? Uh, you know, creative people are always creating. <laughs> what do you got planned? 
Um, I'm doing an, uh, another short film in September. This is one done through NIFCO's Picture Start program. So that's a great program to be involved in. And that's called Northerner, and it is about a superhero. Wow, what a difference. Yes, it's totally, totally different. <laughs> so are these all, you know, where do you draw your inspiration from? Obviously, you've been watching the news very closely, and that sort of sparks your imagination. But um, where do you generally draw your ideas from? Well, I mean, Barry's for Sale, the show, while it's about resettlement, is also about Newfoundland. Like, there's a lot talked about in this about Newfoundland when Bobby Bright shows up here. He doesn't know much about Newfoundland, and they start explaining things to him. And they start, and the conversation goes on about the seals and about the word Newfie and about a whole lot of stuff about Newfoundland. So for this show and a lot of things, Newfoundland itself is the inspiration. My life in Newfoundland, I want to show people what Newfoundland is like. Well, Stephen, all the best with it. Um, so if people want to take it in, how can they uh, How can they see it? To see it, you need to be getting cable from Bell, their Five TV. And if you have that, you go to Channel One on your Bell cable, and they have a lot of local programming there. And this will be either listed under Atlantic or other regions, and you will see berries for sale listed there and you can watch all seven episodes and it's going to be there for a while so whenever you get time to see it that's great Stephen. all the best to you now thanks so much thank you for talking to me linda i appreciate it so Stephen Cadigan is the uh, writer, uh, producer, <laughs> director, I suppose, of uh, Berries for Sale, which is now available on Bell's 5 TV 1 Channel 1, if you subscribe to Bell's 5 TV. And you should be able to find it there. So that's very interesting indeed. It sounds like a, a hoot. And, um, I mean, we're all looking for new things new content. to watch. Yeah, I'm always going through, uh, like you said, how often have I got to watch something twice because I'm just waiting for something else to come out but that's great because I do happen to have that and uh, he said it's very easy to find channel one on Bell 5 so I'm excited about that and the storyline too is very interesting it kind of reminds me of the um, book that I read a long time ago by Michael Crummy, Sweetland which was about resettlement too and one guy was holding out and he had to fake his own death it was just interesting so yeah that that topic itself is very interesting isn't it though and we're all you know um, very familiar uh, with you know, those kinds of push and pull factors mm -hmm. involved in those kinds of decision making that some communities are doing even as we speak. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, very interesting indeed. As if ripped from the headlines, as they say. <laughs> So true. I'm really intrigued by that, just by listening to that conversation. I really would like to uh, follow all seven episodes. We can binge that on the weekend. There you go. Great. S something to do, especially when the fog rolls in. <laughs> um, and I know you and I have talked a little bit about uh, tech uh, things. Well, Meta's latest social media app is less than a week old, and already it's passed a major milestone. From ABC News, Tech Trends, Threads has all already been downloaded tens of millions of times, but something's been missing from the launch of Meta's hot new app. 
after this. This doesn't factor in uh, directly, at the very least, to their metaverse play. Mashable Tech's Matt Binder says when Facebook rebranded as Meta in 2021, the company laid out a vision for a future powered by virtual reality. But since then... The metaverse hasn't taken off. Binder says sales of the company's Quest 2 headset have been strong. However... People view it as sort of a fun side project or a gaming utility, whereas Meta wants people to wear it as if they're sitting down to use their PC. But he doesn't rule out threads eventually joining the company's metaverse ambitions. And say that, no, you know, real-time updates, those factor into what happens in the VR, virtual reality world. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky. ABC News. So already uh, downloaded more than 100 million times since its launch yeah. on Wednesday. So even though, uh, by the sounds of it, it's not sort of fulfilling what their their goal is here, it's still obviously quite successful. I wonder if people are doing that, though, just because, you know, it, Elon Musk is so polarizing with Twitter. So are they doing it not so much because they're interested in joining threads, but because they would like to take him off <laughs> right there could be that element too yeah. i think you've just uh, uh, t- uh you know um yeah nailed it highlighted <laughs> yeah something <laughs> that might actually be happening you nailed it uh, anyway that's it for us for today we'll be back tomorrow um do join us then and uh thanks for listening everyone have a great day